0: Back to Romans. I tell people this all the time, and sometimes I don't think enough about it myself, but you know, the more you read the Word, the more you study the Word, the more the Word makes sense. I don't know how many times I've read the book of Romans. Probably 30 times at this point that I've read through this book myself. And as I'm entering into these steady periods, Every week, I'm thinking, how in the world can I go beyond one verse? This one single verse is so full of really, really good stuff, and and I hate to leave anything out. It's just a, it's a challenge. We just some of you don't know this, but we just studied through the Book of Revelation over a year and a half, or so. It took us to do that, and I was just challenged by it and grew in my appreciation of that very important book more and more and more. But as I'm doing Romans now, it's maybe even in a greater sense that. Uh, My appreciation of this book is just growing more and more and and, and just the great wisdom uh, of the Apostle Paul as he he anticipates all these questions that he knows people are going to have in regard to the teachings that he's laying forth and and how he strives to answer those questions in a way that makes sense even to simple-minded people like me. Uh, Great book, a wonderful book. We're in chapter 5 this morning. I'm going to begin with verse 1, and then we're going to be picking up with 3 and going probably to verse 8 or so. Therefore, in other words, chapter 5 is coming after 4. 5 builds on what 4 has already said. In other words, you can't understand chapter 5 in the book of Romans without considering everything that's gone on before it. How often do we try to do things like that? Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we focused upon last week. That through our faith in Jesus Christ, he declares that we are justified. That means that he has said that you are righteous. You are perfectly righteous in my sight. Oh, by the way, it's not because of what you've done. It's because of what God has done on your behalf. And he's even given you the ability to believe it. By your faith, you're justified by your faith in Christ Jesus, just as Abraham and, and David in the Old Testament and all the Old Testament saints. They were justified, they were declared righteous by God, not because of what they had done, but because of their faith in God and what God had done. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in the hope of the glory of god and not only this but we also exult in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of god has been poured out within our hearts through the holy spirit who was given to us for while we were still helpless At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. One of the things that people struggle with very often, if you ever share your faith with other people, one of the things you're going to find is that very often people, even, even people who will, 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 will admit they have a sense that God exists, they will tell you, or what will come across in the conversation, that if he, doesn't exi- if he does in fact ex- exist, they're angry with him. That they're mad at him. And if you probe a little bit more, what you're going to find is people will ask things like this If there is a God and God is good, then why does He allow suffering in the world? Why? That is not an easy question to answer, it just is not. And people who think that it is just have not really weighed everything in the balance. It's a hard question to answer. But let me tell you, as a Christian, you need to be able to answer that question. Because until you can, you're probably not going to make very much of an, an inway with people. Because that is a question that comes up repeatedly. If, if there is a God and God is good, then why is there suffering in the world? Not only that, you're going to find this. That as you look around the world and you look at the church and you look at Christians, and the fact of the matter is this, is there's even a, a greater question than that. They may look at you and say, God, God is, you, you know that there's a God. You call him your father, your disciple of Jesus Christ. Why is it that God allows you to continue to suffer? That's a hard question to answer. The only que- answer we can come to in regard to that is this. is I don't understand it. You don't understand it. But we know that it's absolutely necessary. Otherwise, God would not allow it. It's a necessity. Let me just say this before I say anything else. We all know what suffering is. Every one of us. But one of the things that we have as Christians that sets us apart from every other religion is this. Is we also have a suffering God. A God who suffers. A God who has suffered unimaginably god the father who loved his, has loved his son for all of eternity with a love that you and i cannot even begin to comprehend the greatest love in existence the greatest love that ever has been the greatest love there is the greatest love there ever will be is the love between father son and holy spirit let me tell you something, guys and gals, I have two sons. I have a son-in-law, two sons-in-law that I consider to be my sons as well. So I have four sons, and let me tell you, you can't have any of them. I'm not going to sacrifice any of my sons for your betterment, any of you. But just consider God the Father the the eternal love the three persons of the god have half for one another it's a love that is indescribable unimaginable to us it is deeper it is it is just just beyond our ability to even even breach a little bit into the depth and the meaning and the fullness of it but god the father loves us enough that he did not withhold his son god's son loves the father with the same endearing eternal love he loves you enough to come to do for you what you cannot will not don't even want to do for yourself and the holy spirit is in the midst of it you understand that we cannot begin to fathom the immensity the depth the fullness of god in any way and that even includes the degree in which God himself has suffered to grant us salvation. Now when you think about that, and you hold that and you understand that to be true, how can, we, how can we doubt the greatness of his love? Do you understand that God did things the way he did them in a lot of ways? And one of the reasons is so that we would understand how much he really does care. How much he does love us. Can you think of a way for him to demonstrate that in, in, to any greater extent than the way that he's already done that? The Bible tells us that the Lord, that the God the Father was pleased to crush him. If he would render himself as a guilt offering. Wow. You consider the Apostle Paul. If you're familiar with 2 Corinthians 11, Paul speaks there about the suffering that he's endured as an apostle. I think it's very easy to say that apart from our Lord Jesus Christ, there's good reason to believe that Paul suffered probably more than anyone else ever has for the good of the church. unbelievably, suffered. By the way, these Romans to whom he's writing in are being persecuted at this time, and more than likely Nero is in power, and Nero, we know, is the the emperor of Rome who severely persecuted Christians and delighted in doing it. We know as well from history that Paul will eventually not so many distant years from this this is just within years of paul finding himself in rome himself arrested eventually being beheaded for no other reason than he's a christian and refuses to declare allegiance to caesar because jesus is his one and only lord think about the martyrs down through the generations how they've suffered but we also exult in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance we talk about trials and tribulations we all know what that means right we all have trials and tribulations in our lives they come from all different angles they, they seem to salt every one of us, not necessarily at the same level all the time, but they come in our life at different times, sometimes less, sometimes more. But there's always trial and tribulation going on. One of the things here in this verse is Paul explaining to believers why it's necessary that we continue to suffer. There are certain lessons that we must learn as Christians that we will not learn apart from certain things happening. In other words, God continues to allow suffering in our lives because it's the tutor that helps us learn the lessons that we will not learn otherwise. And one of those is perseverance. It's easy to persevere in the faith when things are going great, when there's not much trial and tribulation. But then along comes these lengthy, sometimes very deep periods of suffering that we all undergo. The enduring through that, those things in Christ and the power he gives us to per- persevere in these things teaches us Perseverance. I can remember when I was a child, and I'm sure that all some of you had the same experience, and probably some of you said these same words, but I can remember most of the time when my dad would spank me, or one of my sisters or my brother. It seemed like I got spanked a lot more than anybody else for some crazy reason. Uh, he would always say this. He would say, son, this is going to hurt me worse than it does you i had serious doubts about that i really really did but then i became a father myself and i began to understand that it grieves your heart to discipline your kids you do it because you know you don't have any choice because there is this evilness and then you got to do everything to do to keep it in check And I want to challenge us with this idea this morning, and that is this. And that is that God has not only suffered, He suffered way more than we. In other words, His, his suffering is endless. Like, everything about God is Endless. In other words, it's not that God just suffered for us, that God in His suffering has suffered far more than we will ever suffer. That He's the Father that can really say this. There's a sense in which this is going to hurt me more than it does See there is, there's where the strength comes for us to persevere is knowing that even in the midst of the very greatest trials, we have a Father who loves us immensely, and a Savior who has lived for us, has died for us, that we would have life in him. People don't talk about a suffering God. When was the last time you heard anybody say anything about God's suffering? It's something that is rarely ever spoken about. You understand that this is one of the reasons why the God that Christians worship is a far greater God as the one that's manufactured by so many other people, and that is this is because we know that He understands us in a way that we don't even understand ourselves. That He is the God who has suffered, that we would have life. Salvation is a free gift. God gives it to us. But let me tell you something that doesn't mean He didn't have to pay a whole lot for it. It cost Him a bunch. It didn't cost you diddly squat, it cost Him a lot. But apart from suffering, you and I could not learn the lesson of perseverance. God allows it for our benefit. that we would see and we would understand that there is value even in suffering. Trials and tribulations. One of the things Paul's writing about here specifically is the tribulations that these particular believers in Rome are undergoing, the persecution they're enduring. For no other reason did they refuse to declare Nero to be Lord. And they openly confess that Jesus is Lord. Could God protect them? Could God have kept them from the suffering they endured? Yes. Yes. But they needed to learn perseverance, just like you and I need to learn perseverance. And what perseverance means is hanging in there. Hanging in there, not just in the good times, but hanging in there in the bad times. Not giving up on the God who won't give up on you. But in perseverance we also gain proven character our character increases we become more models of what the christian is supposed to look like and be like and act like do you need to grow as a christian you think you just kind of improved to the point you can possibly improve and you're just satisfied there? And you know, all I got to do is put things on cruise control. And one of these days I'm going to die and go to be with Jesus, or he's going to come back here before that and take me with him. And you know, all this kind of stuff. Is that where we're at? Or do we need to grow? Do we need to be stretched? Sometimes to the point it feels like we're going to break. let's be honest this morning there's a sense in which we need to suffer we need suffering because it is one of the only things that will bring us closer to God the closer we draw to God the more our character improves With that proven character comes things like hope. There's nothing like coming out on the other side of a time of great tribulation or trial and whatever and looking back on it and seeing how God was in it and how God worked in it and through it to bring you to a better place. We talked last week about About peace and how peace, the only place you can truly find peace is to rest in God. The world is not at peace, and as long as we are disconnected with the God who made us, then we may have times in our life where we feel like we're kind of at peace, but there's always turmoil. There's never that place that we get to where you can say, Peace, period. Hope. Where is there hope to be found in this world apart from what we're talking about? The answer is nowhere. Nowhere. people, every person hopes in something. But the question is, what do you hope in? Are you hoping in your own goodness? Are you hoping in your own perceived abilities? Are you hoping in this? Are you hoping in that? Are you hoping the circumstances will change? Or does your hope lie in... The one who gives hope. The only one that gives real hope. And hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. If you're a believer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what Paul's talking about. You felt it, you've experienced it, you know it yourself. God is in the business of changing people. And only God can truly change people. That bet your booty he can actually do it. As I look about this room, I can see people here that I would imagine have been walking with Christ probably their whole lifetime. They never remember a time when they didn't believe. It's only a few of people that fall in that category. Most of the rest of us maybe spent a good bit of our life. I am a good example. I spent a good bit of my adult life completely apart from Christ, denying Christ Denying the existence of God. Believing in secular pluralism and all that other kind of stuff. I'm here for one reason. And that's because that particular God loved me enough to change me. To do what was necessary to tear down those things that I hoped in that really gave me no hope. Those things that I trusted in that really gave me no ground at all to trust in. He loved me enough to tear down my fortresses, to bring me to himself. That did not come without trial and tribulation. And if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All power by the Holy Spirit He was given to us. One of the very greatest gifts, and this is one of the things I would say. You know, I have some concerns about some things going in the church on in the church today, in a general sense, and uh, and one of those is would have to do with some of the ideas of the charismatic movement. You guys know what I'm talking about. The charismatic movement that really emphasizes the importance of spiritual gifts, and I would say that. This is one of the things that they brought to the fore that really needed to be, and that is they challenged the rest of the church of recognizing and acknowledging the the great gift of spiritual gifts that God gives to all of his children. We don't talk about it that much in many circles of the church. The other thing is this, is I really believe this, that for a long time there were a lot of Christians that were practicing nothing but otherwise you could call it anything other than dead worship. Coming to church on Sunday morning, because you're supposed to do that. Sitting in the pew on Sunday morning, maybe standing while singing a little bit, if you even said anything at all. Praying to God, worshiping God, enjoying God, and expressing the joy that you have for Him in your worship. The charismatic movement stirred that pot to put more emphasis on the Holy Spirit, and the rest of the church had almost de-emphasized the importance of the Holy Spirit for general for centuries. I just want to challenge all of us with this idea this morning. That is, if you're a believer, God has given you particular spiritual gifts, and they're not the same gifts as He's given to other people. But He's given you gifts for one reason, and the reason is that you will show yourself to be a benefit to the church of Jesus Christ in some way. Whether it be in your singing abilities, like our praise team has, or in teaching abilities, as, as Brian bussell has been given, the gift of teaching, I don't doubt it for one minute. I thank the Lord for the day that Brian came here. Most of the people that come here are not reformed when they come here. It's only after a time they become her. but he came here reformed. He's a student of R.C. Sproul. always a challenge for us how am I using the gifts God's given me for the benefit of the rest of the body that's part of the Holy Spirit being given to us for while we were still helpless at the right time Christ died for who? For the righteous ones for the godly ones for the perfect people for the ones who were worthy is that what it says here he died for who for the ungodly not one of them not one single one of them worthy of his death none None came close. One will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone will dare even to die. You know, you hear stories about people that sacrifice their own life to save the lives of other people. Men jumping on grenades to save their comrades in arms from being blown to pieces. Those kinds of things really happen. There's a story that's told. It's a very common story used as a sermon illustration. because It speaks very powerfully in particular ways. It has to do with these two young boys that one day were... Probably in a place they weren't supposed to be playing, but it was a sand pit. And they were digging tunnels in the sand pit. I can kind of relate to this because when I was a kid, we grew, I grew up in Ocala on one of the side streets, right by the, the run, street that runs right behind the Catholic Church in Ocala. I, I lived there until I was about nine years old. But at one time they had come in and and that was really low and so the Roman Catholic Church there, they wanted to build it up so they could put in parking lots. So they brought in loads and loads of dirt, piles of dirt that were there for years and they didn't do much with it. But it was a common place for the kids in the neighborhood to go and play. We'd dig tunnels and we would dig holes and we would play with our, our little dump trucks and this, that, and the other that we got for Christmas. these two boys were there this one day and they're digging tunnels and there was a cave-in and there happened to be one or two other kids there and they saw it and they ran to get help and they came back and here's one of the boys his head sticking above the surface of the ground and there's no sign of his brother they're asking him where is your brother I'm standing on his shoulders he loved his brother enough to give his life to save him people do those kinds of things But in the eyes of that brother, he believed that his brother's life was worth doing it. Do you understand what's before us is the greatest example of that? The only difference is this, is the one that Christ died for didn't deserve to live. Didn't deserve to be saved. In the eyes of God, there was no goodness or godliness about any of them at all. Dare anyone to tell me that we don't have a God who cares. A God who suffers, but a God who also cares. A God who cares deeply about our suffering. So much so he's entered into it in in a magnitude himself that we can't even imagine. But what I'm telling you, what Paul is telling us here this morning is this, is that when Christ died, he didn't die for anybody that was worthy to die for. Not one single person. That he died for those who were absolutely, totally, no doubt about it, unworthy for someone to give their life for. And if you believe, that's you. Stop thinking about what a great and grand person you are. Stop thinking about what a great deal God got in me. Apart from Christ, there's one title for all people, ungodly, everybody, no exceptions. Paul answers some great mysteries here. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can we doubt that God is a God who loves us? There's a lot of love in this room. Some of the people in this room really love each other just immensely. Really? We talk about the church family, and that is this is we are family. Some of you guys, we've known each other for a long time. We've been through the thick and thin together. And what all that thick and thin has done is drive us closer together. That I love Lloyd May with all of my heart and Lucy, with all of my heart and mind. And so they've been with us from the very beginning. But I can sit here today or stand here today and tell you I love you far more now than I did in the beginning. Because we've gone through this together. We've endured the hard times. We've endured the good times. Yes, but we've enjoyed the good times. But we also have endured the hard times together. And it's brought us together in a greater bond of love than we had before. We need it. Next time you're suffering, don't wallow in it. There's a real sense in which we should be able to rejoice in it. Because it's, you know, it's a lot of things, but one of those is, is this evidence, it's proof that God is at work in your life. That he's not satisfied with you being where you are. He's going to root it out, he's going to bring it out, he's going to throw it out, he's going to get rid of all the bad stuff and make you into the child of God that he's intended for you to be. He will do it. Don't doubt it. We're celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning. And as we look on that table and we think about what it all represents... We should all be going ditto, 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 ditto. This is an application of exactly what we've been talking about. There's a sense in which the table really should bring a mourning to our hearts, a grieving to our hearts. I don't know how we could possibly think about the grief that Jesus and this, the, 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 the you know the physical suffering and the spiritual suffering and all the suffering that Jesus went through. I don't know how we can even think about it without it bringing tears to our eyes. Just remember this: this table tells us a lot of things, but one of these is this: is something we never consider, and that is this: God suffered. in ways that we never will, so that we don't have to. We do this every second Sunday of every month, pretty much. Sometimes we get off track because things it, but I'm not so sure that we shouldn't do it every week. I think about this quite often. That we should be coming to the table very regularly. We understand that we're supposed to do this because Christ told us to. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So this is all about him. Another place for us to think about it in, in the sense that it helps us to understand what was accomplished for me and that kind of thing.